0: Welcome to this week's episode of Fail, Succeed. Joining us is H. I'm back. I've been swimming with turtles. What a great joy for all of us that you're now back in the UK. Well, it's good to be back. Excellent, excellent. And so you're ready to tackle the oncoming nine months of autumn. Indeed. I can't wait for the crisp leaves underfoot. We'll start, as always, with our fail. And this week, our fail is uh, this chap in America... Richard McEwen. Exactly. His name is Richard McEwen, 26 year old guy who was caught not once, but twice doing donuts on Donald Trump's golf course in Bedminster, New Jersey, in his Ford Focus.
1: Correct. On Greens number 11 and 13, 11 the first time, 13 the second time, I is believe. Is that right? I yeah.
0: didn't I didn't pick up on that small detail. Excellent. Yeah. I mean, what do you think he was doing here? Do you think this is a protest or do you think he was just drunk or what?
1: I am not sure about this, but I, I'll be honest, I've got a little bit of uh, a soft spot for this guy. I can't work out whether this is, uh, it's a phrase I heard only today, actually, and it seems entirely appropriate considering we're doing this story. Have you heard of herostratic fame?
0: No, tell me about it.
1: There was this guy called Herostratus, who's this uh, 4th century um, Greek arsonist, uh, 4th century BC, um, and he infamously burnt down the Temple of Artemis, which was one of the ancient wonders of the world, for no better reason than he wanted to be famous. The reason why I wonder whether um, this this guy, Richard McEwen, is is cut from the same cloth is because this is not his first rodeo when it comes to... uh, to making a nuisance of himself with famous people. Um, so obviously yeah. this is Trump's course, but as I'm sure you know, he, um, he'd been busted only a couple of weeks earlier, um, for breaking into Taylor Swift's Rhode Island mansion. What, for me, the reason I like the guy is because do you hear about the fact that he'd taken his shoes off? Yeah, and, this is brilliant. Go yeah. On. Yeah. He'd taken his shoes off inside once he'd broken into Taylor Swift's mansion, he, t- he took his shoes off and he left them at the door. And, um, when he was eventually caught by the police they they were they were baffled and they asked him why he he taken his shoes off and uh, he just said you know that he'd been taught that it was the polite thing to do when you go into someone else's home <laughs> yeah
0: first of all i can't condone this kind of you know criminal behavior secondly i thought exactly like you did that um it might be some fame sort of uh, attention seeking behavior And I was actually surprised he hadn't done it and posted it on Instagram. Right. right? The other thing that it made me think, it just confirmed my feeling that golf is a dangerous game, right? Because you might get hit by a joyrider doing donuts on the 11th and 13th greens. Exactly. So, for instance, we all know that if you play golf in Florida or Atlanta, you might get eaten by an alligator, right? You've seen that plenty of times. Alligator crawls out the water and starts walking around the greens. If you play in Atlanta, you might get struck by lightning. Two Rory McElroy fans were uh, watching him play in Atlanta and they got struck by lightning. I think they were fine, actually, but you know, nonetheless. And as you say, in New Jersey, you might get hit by a donutting uh, Richard McEwen. So, as I say, stay away from golf courses. The only reason to play is now gone, which is plus fours and no one wears those anymore. Even though, H, you kind of have a soft spot for this guy, I think we have to say that, you know, doing criminal damage to someone else's property, that's probably a fail in anyone's book. And and then the Taylor Swift thing—that's just terrifying. If someone breaks into your house, so that's our fail this week. Now H will move on to our success, and this is something you know that we—it kind of fits in. We bang on about this sort of thing quite a lot because both of us are really excited about space travel and you know the potential for life elsewhere. And yeah, it's right up our strasse. It is indeed right up our strasse. And for anyone who doesn't know, that's German for street. H, do you want to uh, do you want to tell us a bit about this?
1: Yeah, I will. I will. In 2015, NASA's space telescope, the Kepler telescope, um, discovered a planet which they catchly named k 218 b And recent analysis has shown that for the first time we've discovered an exoplanet, a rocky planet, uh, which exists in the Goldilocks zone, which basically means it's the... Not too cold, not too hot, uh, and liquid water um, or water can exist. Normally somewhere between zero degrees and 40 degrees Celsius is considered the Goldilocks zone. Um, and they, for the first time, we found a planet which has water vapor in its atmosphere. The way they discovered that was because they, the planet transited across the surface of its sun, um, across the face of its sun. And in doing so, the light from the sun shines through the atmosphere and is diffused through the atmosphere and through that diffusion we can establish what the chemical composition of the atmosphere is and it's showing quite a high level of water vapor. Although water vapor has been detected it doesn't necessarily mean there's water on the surface um, and we won't really have a better idea of that until the next generation of space telescopes come online which like the James Webb telescope which is going to be launched in the next decade. Um, That should give us a better idea of the chemical composition of the atmosphere um, and especially what it will do is it'll be able to tell us whether there are any biological signatures in the atmosphere such as methane um, there's obviously there's methane on on planetoids like on moons like titan in our own solar system but it's um because it's so cold there it's liquid methane but if we were to find it on a planet in uh, the goldilocks zone um in a kind of vapor form then that would suggest that potentially uh, there could be life on the planet because methane is produced through biological functions. Yeah, I mean, it's it's, it's, uh, it's, it's going to be a strange planet. Um, it's twice the size of the Earth. And it what's interesting about it is it, it orbits the sun a sixth of the distance that we do ours. Right. But because, um, so you'd think it would be hotter, but because the sun, because its star is a red giant, um, and uh, about half the size of our own planet, uh, our own sun, and much less hot, it means that the average temperature on the surface are probably somewhere around 10 degrees C, um, which, interestingly, is the average temperature of Rotherham.
0: Is that right?
1: <laughs> what, you mean today or
0: just every just day? Annual,
1: the annual te- average of uh, temperature in Rotherham is
0: 10 degrees C. Is so. that right? Yeah. Wow, I did not know that. Yeah, so that's interesting. I didn't actually see the bit about the temperature, but I did read about the radiation levels because they yeah. think because it's so close to their star that the radiation levels may make it difficult for um uh, the UV levels would yeah, for yeah anything well, to live.
1: Well, yeah, basically you'd get cancer instantly.
0: So let's imagine that it is habitable and you know there is kind of a life form there that resembles at least in some way humanity. Mm. And and they are uh, welcoming to us. But you know, imagining it was pretty easy to get there and all that business. Would you maybe consider moving there, H, so you could just completely reinvent yourself, become a paragliding instructor or something like that? Leave behind your life and just go and start in Pastures New. Would you do that? Uh,
1: no, and I'll tell you why. Go on. Because the gravity there, because of the size of the planet, the gravity is eight times stronger. So that would mean the average human would weigh half a ton and <laughs> okay. not actually be able to stand up. Um, really? and if you, Yeah, because of cause the weight of your own body. In actual fact, if you tried standing up, your skeleton, your skeleton would probably collapse on, and break if you tried. So, um, yeah, probably, probably not the place I'd choose to reside forever, I don't think, unless I just wanted to spend the entire time lying on my back looking up at the beautiful red giant sun
0: um, crossing the sky. But uh, yeah, it yeah, it wouldn't be without kind of gravity. It wouldn't be a great place to be a paragliding instructor either. Would no. it? <laughs> <laughs> you just plummet to the earth immediately. You wouldn't get off the ground, I don't think. No, but said so that if there was a cliff and you just ran off it. Yeah, you yeah, yeah. Just plummet immediately. Terminal
1: velocity would be far quicker as well. So if you jumped off the cliff, you'd be like Zoom! straight down rather than... Zoom! Yeah I'm sorry to trample on your idea Dee but uh, also the other the other issue is that it's 100 you said if we could get there without any much without much issue
0: it is 110 light years away um which Yeah but is... I did make the point that you know imagining you could get there quickly yeah. and that was so all... okay.
1: Yeah so the other thing about it obviously it's 110 light years away which is 650 million million miles which I believe is a trillion these days isn't it that's definitely too far for a probe. Um, by December 2024, Juno, which is NASA's new solar probe, will become the fastest spacecraft ever uh, when it reaches speeds of 430,000 miles per hour uh, when it's at its closest point to our sun. And even at this speed, that would mean it would take 172,560 years to get there. Wow. Yeah, that's
0: that's a bit far, isn't it?
1: Yeah. I mean, Neanderthals would have had to have been building uh, spacecraft if they were to get there today. So, yeah, too far. Maybe, maybe too they far. did.
0: Maybe there's mm. a Neanderthal on the way to K-218B or whatever. Ah!
1: Uh, 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 that was a Neanderthal flying 430,000 430, <laughs> miles per hour through space and suddenly in the distance seeing the rapidly approaching form of k two. 18b.
0: Imagine that, though. You, you're a Neanderthal who's built this spacecraft, quite you know, out of, out of rocks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, and um, twine, rocks and, and vines. Yeah, and, and to the surprise of everyone, let's be honest, managed to fly 170. What was it? 172,000 years. Uh, yeah, 172,000 years at 430,000 miles per hour. Yeah, and then he suddenly arrives at this planet. He opens a door. And he just falls onto his back immediately because of the (laughs) pressure of gravity. (laughs) And he can't get up. (laughs) He's waiting there. He looks out and he goes, Oh, my new home. I've waited so long for this. By the way, no idea how he lived for that long. Yeah. But yeah, he's so excited. A tear is rolling down his cheek as he looks at his new home. The door opens.
1: opens And literally, straight on the floor. Well, you'd hope that if he came out of the ship and went splat on the floor straight away, that at least at least he would land uh, on his back so he could look up and look at the beautiful sky uh,
0: rather than just <laughs> face down. Well, excellent. So, so that was our success this week. Potentially, we found life, all the conditions for life on another planet. So it'll be interesting to see how that develops. H, thank you very much for joining us. You know, I know it probably cut into more holiday time. Yeah. But much appreciated having your input, as always. We'll see you all next week. Goodbye. Goodbye.